Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guest has written a book that is the biography, actually biography, the autobiography, I suppose, of the Wicked Witch of the West, of course, made famous by the books by uh, Frank Baum and, of course, the uh, movie uh, in which uh, Margaret Hamilton portrayed the Wicked Witch of the West. This book is called Wicked, The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West. The author grew up in uh, New York, has a doctorate from Tufts University and lived in uh, Cambridge as well as Dublin and London. Please welcome Gregory Maguire to West Coast Live. Thanks, Edge. I actually didn't believe the, uh, the advanced publicity about this show. I thought it was all false advertising. I didn't know that West Coast Live meant live. Uh, at the very least, I thought there would be the sanctity of the confessional, and it would just be you and me, and if you asked me any terribly deep, dark secrets, I'd be able to put a bag over my head and answer them, or we'd be able to draw a screen between us. But here, this is a genuine audience. I didn't know they did this. You know, they, this audience must really love you because it's a beautiful day and here they are. I mean, this is really live. <laughs> well, you see, radio shows like this only exist in the land of Oz anyway. Well, they sure don't exist like this in England where I lived for the last five years. So I suppose I should have, uh, I suppose I should have read the advance information a little more carefully. Were, th were the Frank Baum stories of the Wizard of Oz sort of bedtime reading for you as a kid growing up? Uh, they were a little bit. I read a little bit of everything. My parents were pretty strict, but they let us read as widely as we wanted. Uh, more significantly for this book, anyway, was uh, the annual showing of the movie The Wizard of Oz, because my parents were very strict about TV, the way good parents should be. And The Wizard of Oz and Bible stories were the only things we got to watch. <laughs> you know. Well, so that, does that explain, then, your fascination with evil in the course of this book? And the, and I, you know, that's a good question. I suppose it does, but any, it, you don't have to be older than about six to watch the film of The Wizard of Oz and realize that the Wicked Witch is getting a bad rap from the very beginning. I mean, clearly she's suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome or something. She's lost her sister. This house comes throp right down on her sister. There's all these issues of inheritance who really, you've got the ruby slippers on, I see. <laughs> So she's, she's done in, her, her sister's been killed when this house lands from someplace that nobody's ever heard of called Kansas. There's this alien afoot in the land with these four, uh, or there's uh, th three other creatures uh, going along with her on the yellow brick road. There's a political struggle going on. Was it the Munchkins want to overthrow the emperor, the Wizard of Oz? There's an awful lot of trouble with that emperor. And again, you don't have to be more than about five to watch that film and to see that Gee, every time the witch, played by Margaret Hamilton, opens up her mouth and says something, she carries through with her word. When she issues a threat, you can pretty well be sure that she will carry it out. Uh, on the other hand, on the other side of the moral spectrum, on the other side of the, the scales of justice, we have the wizard who never means anything that he says and is always giving promises that he can't keep. Now, not that long ago, I went and rented the video of The Wizard of Oz, partly in preparation for, for this show. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I kept fast-forwarding through the video, trying to find the place where the wizard comes out from behind the curtain and says, I am not a crook. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to, uh, when they made it into a video, they took that part out. Of but that's what you distinctly remember as being in the uh, original version. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, I actually think the business of the wizard sending Dorothy out to the West in order to kill the named villain 
was an awful lot like the way that I felt when I was growing up under the shadow of the Vietnam War, waiting to get to be old enough to be draftable and thinking I was going to be the innocent one as, as the boys older than me were to go to the West to kill the named villain. So in fact, although Wicked, the life and times of the Witch of the West, is a black comedy in a sense, it's also, I hope, a serious exploration of, of the nature of evil and the roots of evil. You make an observation that uh, most people who claim to be evil also have elements of good, but it's the good people who, or that's the people who claim to be good that you have to watch out for. Yes, I think so. Let's remember that when election time comes along. <laughs> it's the people who claim to be good that you have to, you have to be careful of. Wh why do you think that is? What is it about? Uh, well, I spent 406 pages trying to figure that out. I actually did a big diagram in my study. Uh, I wrote this book in, in London. I did a big diagram, and I, I did a lot of reading in, uh, in theology and in philosophy, and I did a lot of reading of Shakespeare and a little bit of Milton to try to see if I could come up with some sort of unified field theory of evil so that at th we, we can't live without it, we can't, we can't take it out of us, but if we can perhaps identify its, uh, its presence a little more clearly, we might be able to uh, stand more firmly against it. Uh, did I come up with a unified field theory for evil? No, I didn't. In fact, I feel more scared than ever about, about where we are and where we're going. And in fact, the secrets that the Wicked Witch has to defend are secrets of evil of our time. Yes, it's, it's, there's a very close parallel. You, you, read, you read Wicked, The Life and Times of, of the Witch of the West, and I think you feel, I hope you feel a kind of, a kind of shock that Oz, Oz never was very different from America, was it? I mean, there's no place like home, so why do we all want to move when we grow up and we all want to get out? Uh, Oz is really pretty much 20th century America with a lot of references both to children's books and also to the political struggles of, of this century, which have been pretty horrendous. In fact, the identity of the witch becomes, uh, it's one that people assign to her, it's not one. She never sees herself as a witch until sort of later it becomes a convenient disguise for her. That's true, she doesn't call herself a witch, she's given the title and she eventually decides, well, if people are gonna be, treat me like a witch, I at least will have that excuse, so then I can really be myself. I find it amusing as the book is, is coming out and getting some good press that every magazine or newspaper that picks up a story about it takes a different slant. I mean, there was a little squib in Glamour magazine, Glamour, October, that was really interested in the witch's skin problems. <laughs> she, she was born with green skin. Right, and that's, and that's important to Glamour readers. If you happen to be born with green skin, well, you know, th this is a novel that will really help you to live your life fully and completely, and when time comes to die at the end because you finally take a bath, you know, it's a... Uh, then Playboy is going to do a, a little squib on it, too, and that makes me think, who's going to be the Playmate of the Month? <laughs> but, uh, but you give uh, The Wicked Witch of the West uh, a love life, too. I have to say, this is not a book for children. No, I used to write children's books. This is my first adult novel, and there used to be, I don't know, Miss Manners would say, there are, there are three things you never write, you never talk about at a dinner party because they might be too inflammatory. You never talk about sex, you never talk about politics, and you never talk about religion. Well, basically, that's the same rule about writing books for children. You don't talk about sex, politics, or religion in books for children. But Wicked is... You talk about all three. Sex, politics, and religion, my three favorite subjects. <laughs> Not to mention violent uh, acts of violence. Uh, one of the things that the, uh, the witch wants for and, and pines for throughout the book is, is a soul. 
Yes, and that, I've, uh, that was one of those days when the giant light bulb goes on over the head when I was writing. I finally thought, every story works on a number of different equations, and one of the simple equations that my book had to work on was to extend at least as much motivation to the witch as Dorothy the Scarecrow, the lion, etc., have for their actions. I realized if Dorothy wanted to go home and the lion wanted courage and the scarecrow wanted, what was it, brains, and, and the tin man wanted a heart, then, then we needed to know what the witch wanted in order to have her story be full, and the witch wanted a soul. And I, I'd like to hear, uh, other than the fact that she wanted her slippers back from Dorothy, Yes, right. Yeah, she, she did want that, but that was, that was sort of incidental, and there are, there are long and deep reasons, reasons that are 30, 40 years old for that. I'd like to, uh, to hear a bit of the beginning of, of Wicked here, just to, to set the scene of how it goes from the witch's perspective here. I have a section right here. Right here. Since I thought that uh, there was not going to be a live audience, I thought if I got really scared, I could actually use a prop for myself and nobody would see it. <laughs> Just before I left... It's, uh, a, it's a hand puppet here of the, uh, the Wicked Witch of the West with a handsome nose. I think that proboscis that came from that uh, story, True Fiction <laughs> Told, and the green skin. The novelist Alice Hoffman is a friend of mine. She's done a lot of author tours, and yesterday she gave me this as I was leaving my home in Concord, Massachusetts. Uh, her last book is called Practical Magic, and I thought, well, I'll have a bit of practical magic with me in the, in the silence of the confessional, but here you all are live to see the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> a mile above Oz, the witch balanced on the wind's forward edge as if she were a green fleck of the land itself, flung up and sent wheeling away by the turbulent air. White and purple sunder, summer thunderheads mounded around her. Below, the yellow brick road looped back on itself like a relaxed noose. Though winter storms and the crowbars of agitators had torn up the road, still it led relentlessly to the Emerald City. The witch could see the companions trudging along, maneuvering around the buckled sections, skirting trenches, skipping when the way was clear. They seemed oblivious to their fate, but it was not up to the witch to enlighten them. She used the broom as a sort of balustrade, stepping down from the sky like one of her flying monkeys. She finished up on the topmost bough of a black willow tree. Beneath, hidden by the fronds, her prey had paused to take their rest. The witch tucked her broom under her arm. Crab-like and quiet, she scuttled down a little at a time until she was just above them. The witch stared and listened. There were four of them. She could see a huge cat of some sort. A lion, was it? and the shiny woodman. The tin woodman was picking nits out of the lion's mane, and the lion was muttering and squirming. A scarecrow lolled nearby, blowing dandelion heads in the wind. The girl was out of sight behind shifting curtains of the willow. Of course, to hear them tell it, it is the surviving sister who is the crazy one, said the lion. What a witch, psychologically warped, possessed by demons, insane, not a pretty picture. She was castrated at birth, replied the tin woodman calmly. She was born hermaphroditic, or maybe entirely male. Oh, you, you see castration wherever you look, said the lion. I'm only repeating what folks say, said the tin woodman. Everyone is entitled to an opinion, said the lion airily. She was deprived of a mother's love, is how I have heard it. She was an abused child. She was addicted to medicine for her skin condition. 
She has been unlucky in love, said the Tin Woodman, like the rest of us. The Tin Woodman paused and placed his hand on the center of his chest, as if in grief. She's a woman who prefers the company of other women, said the Scarecrow, sitting up. She's the spurned lover of a married man. She is a married man. <laughs> the witch was so stunned that she nearly lost her grip on the branch. The last thing she ever cared for was gossip, yet she had been out of touch for so long that she was astonished at the vigorous opinions of these random nobodies. She's a despot, a dangerous tyrant, said the lion with conviction. The tin woodman pulled harder than was necessary on a lock of the mane. Everything's dangerous to you, you craven thing. I hear she's a champion of home rule for the so-called winkies. <laughs> Whoever she is, she must surely be grieving the death of her sister, said the child in a somber voice, too rich, too sincere for one so young. The witch's skin crawled. <laughs> Don't go feeling sympathetic now. I certainly can't. The tin woodman sniffed a bit cynically. But Dorothy's right, said the scarecrow. No one is exempt from grief. Gregory Maguire, reading from Wicked. And the idea about being exempt from, from grief is, uh, is part of the tone of the book. I mean, I, if I'd been told this was going to be a tragedy with the Wicked Witch of the West, I would have laughed. But at the end, I mean, it was truly sad what happened to it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm awfully glad. I wish Margaret Hamilton were around to read this book for books on tape, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but she's dead, uh, and, and that's a tragedy in itself. She had her 12 minutes on the screen time, and she emblazoned herself into our, our national psyche, I think. Uh, I, I caught her once on the Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. She came by for a, a visit, uh, and uh, her skin had cleared up. You know, there was a great commercial she did in the 70s for Maxwell House Coffee. I don't know if you remember it. I kept wanting her to turn to the camera in some, and say, Maxwell House Coffee, good to the last drop. Give some tomorrow morning to your husband. And your little dog, too! <laughs> she never did. Yeah, you described Toto as that annoying little dog. Yes, yeah, so well, the witch if, does. If Kansas had had a leash law, none of this would have happened. <laughs> Gregory McGuire will also be at uh, Kepler's in Menlo Park at uh, 6 uh, tomorrow evening and on Wednesday at a different light on Castro Street at 7.30 in the evening, part of his uh, tour of the, uh, the West. And, uh, just a there's a, there are maps in the, uh, the, uh, the front and the back of the book that show the land of, of Oz kind of looking very Hobbit-like. And the book itself has a, uh, has a texture like a child's book on the, on the outside, though it's not for children. Uh, how much of, of this is is your imagination, how much of it is, is drawn from your recollection of the movie and how much from the, the Frank Baum stories? Well, I didn't go back and, and look at the movie again before I, uh, before I wrote the book. In fact, I didn't read the books again. An awful lot of it is from my imagination. Uh, but I did want to give honor to the original author of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and that's where I got the name for the witch. She has a proper name in the book. Nobody knows how to say it, so I'll tell you on live radio. Uh, it's Alphaba. It, it trips off the tongue like Dorothy, or like Margaret, or like Hamilton. It's Elphaba. And where I got that name, it's my name, but it is the aspirated initials of the, of the original author of The Wizard of Oz, L. Frank Baum, Elphaba. So that's my continuing homage to the fact that this is really his character. All I've done is borrow her a little bit and carry her around with me. <laughs> Elphaba, actually named after a saint, as I recall. You, yes. you have it. Right, right. And uh, Dorothy came from a place where the, the god was known as Theodore, 
which means is something from the gods. Right, a gift from the gods. And Dorothy means uh, goddess of gifts. That's right, and it all works together for the witch's salvation, or is she saved? That's, of course, the question of the book, and it's a question I won't answer. Gregory Maguire, author of Wicked. Thank you very much for being on West Coast. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that handsome doll. This is Sedge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.